0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, and he is my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkiewicz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And Wes, once again, we are still waiting for head coach Mike McCarthy to deliver the official announcement uh, as he fills out his coaching staff. He's still in the process of doing that. So, as I've said on other shows, we are going to wait until that news is official and that announcement is out there, and we know all of Mike McCarthy's assistant coaches before we get into discussions of them. So that being said, I want to start today with a a bit of Packers news that's happened since the last time we uh, we sat down here, and that is that wide receiver Devontae Adams has earned his first Pro Bowl bid. He uh, will be headed to Orlando for the Pro Bowl as an injury substitute for Atlanta's Julio Jones. Hats off to Devontae Adams, a well-deserved honor.
1: Yeah, and it's actually, when I saw this news kind of pop up uh, earlier this week, you feel good because obviously he certainly enjoyed, you know, he earned this opportunity, but the way the season ended, I thought kind of, you know, robbed some of the, uh, I don't want to say momentum, but some of the the luster of this year for him because it truly was another breakout season for him. And and for him not to get the chance to go for 1,000 yards again and, and having to sit on the sideline those last two weeks after the hit from Thomas Davis. I thought you know that, that was unfair to him in the year that he had. But now to be able to kind of end it on a high note with him, obviously he cleared the concussion protocol at the end of the season. He did the final locker room interviews with the media. Right. So now the chance for him to actually go through this process, get to the Pro Bowl for the first time, uh, a really good honor for him. And also um, as Ted Thompson moves on to his next stage of his career, I also thought it was fitting Uh, for all the second round success he had in the draft, one more guy before he steps into that new role, getting a chance to go to the Pro Bowl with the likes of Greg Jennings, Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, the litany of guys uh, that have made the Pro Bowl after being second round draft picks with the Green Bay Packers.
0: Yeah, and here's an interesting statistic, excuse me, that I looked up the other day. Devontae Adams, despite missing those couple of games at the end of the season, he obviously also took the big hit from Uh, Chicago's Danny Trevathan early in the year, and he bounced back very quickly from that. He hit double-digit touchdowns for the second year in a row. Do you know the last Packers receiver to actually get double-digit touchdowns in the regular season in back-to-back years?
1: Back-to-back seasons. I, I don't want to just sit here this. and wait and sit on this for two hours. So I'm going to talk very long and, and find ways to extend this. I'll go with Antonio Freeman.
0: <laughs> very good. You hit Did it. I get it. Yes, it is Antonio. Yes! And Just surprising that yeah, uh, for amazing. all the for all the accomplishments of Greg Jennings, Donald Driver, uh, uh, you know Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, all of these guys and they've all had their double digit touchdown yeah. seasons James but Jones. You, but yeah and James Jones as well you have to go all the way back to freeman to find somebody who wow. actually did that in back to back years so i thought that was kind of interesting and 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 also too now the Packers have two players going to the Pro Bowl in Mike Daniels and Devontae Adams and it's the first Pro Bowl for both guys. That's yeah. kind of special.
1: It is special, Mike, and I think it's interesting too that you bring that up because one of the big storylines this year for the Atlanta Falcons was the fact that Julio Jones ended up only having, I think it was one touchdown, three touchdowns somewhere in that area uh, this whole season. He's seen as one of the top receivers in the league. Yeah. It's just not always a given that those guys are going to be able to score in the red zone and I think that says a lot about Adams that not only can he be the big play target and a guy that you know breaks a big Big 40, 50, 60 yard touchdown, but he's also really effective inside the red zone. Uh, and I think that's one of the big benefits to his game when you look at where he stands out the most on the field. And to continue this trajectory, too, with, you know, you've seen Jordy Nelson have the success there. Uh, Randall Cobb certainly put himself in that conversation. But now to extend that, uh, I just, it's, it's something that I think. I don't know, at no point this year can I ever recall Devontae Adams saying, I want to be a Pro Bowler, that's my goal for the season. But you can just tell the way he reacted to it on social media, the excitement of his teammates. This was an honor. I think a lot of people were excited for him to receive.
0: Yeah. Is there one particular catch, one particular play from 2017 that you felt was Devontae Adams' best or that maybe sticks out in your memory the most?
1: Man, there were so many um, that off the top of my head, it's kind of hard to pinpoint one. I still think for his career, the one in Philadelphia a year ago is still – I think that shows exactly what he can be as a receiver. Oh, the Monday night game. The Monday night game. Yeah, in 20s in twenty sixteen. Yeah, I I would ago. agree.
0: I thought that. I th- I still think that's his best career game. I, and I
1: think when you tie in every single element, that that play encapsulated it. I, maybe maybe you can think of one off of this season, but uh, the one
0: the, the the ones that stand out to me were were the finish in Cleveland. Yeah, with that, uh, with the tu- hard the hard touchdown hard. in the last thirty seconds, and then also getting the overtime touchdown when he spins away from the defense and runs up the tunnel. Kept the Packers alive at that point. As far as a a catch where, you know, my jaw kind of hit the floor type of play, it's one a lot of people have forgotten about, but it was in Atlanta in week two, that one down the sideline to the pylon. I didn't think he had a you know, a snowball's chance in you-know-where of coming down with that thing, and he grabbed that for a touchdown. I know the Packers lost that game and and all that, but that was was one heck of a play, and I'll certainly remember that one in the memory bank.
1: Yeah, and then the one, too, to kind of show where he's developed as a receiver on the back-shoulder connection with Aaron Rodgers, um, that they had that play scouted out, mapped up, Rodgers doesn't put it where he needs it to. Adams goes back, basically stares him down and says, yeah. throw a better ball. Yeah, Throws the, the back in, shoulder higher. The
0: one in Dallas. In Dallas. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. that was a
1: play, too, that it's, it's funny because the guy's only 24 years old at that time, and he's staring down his two-time MVP <laughs> two-time quarterback. Two-time MVP. Challenging him, the most accurate yeah. passer in NFL history. challenge him to throw a better ball. Rodgers comes through, and, and Adams makes the play. Yeah. And, uh, again, it's just he can run the whole route tree. You hear Joe Witt talk a lot about that, the value of a receiver that can run the whole route tree. Devante Adams is that guy, and it's the main reason why the Packers made sure to take care of him, extend him before it ever came to free agency because he's a big part of this offense's future.
0: Yeah, and kudos to to Daniels and Adams both making the Pro Bowl. I know when the Pro Bowl uh, rosters first came out, the Packers didn't have anybody on it. We're hearing from everybody in insider inbox. This is such an indictment of the Packers roster and everything. And you know, I pointed out, hey, back in 2013 when Aaron Rodgers missed half the year, the Packers didn't have any Pro Bowlers right. then either. David Bakhtiari and uh, and Eddie. Lacey both ended up going as alternates so it's not as though the Packers didn't have any Pro Bowlers and again a couple of alternates they get uh, they get their opportunity here
1: yeah and that's something people sound the alarm on but then you also have to understand the way that the Pro Bowl works and how many alternates fall out either because of the Super Bowl or injuries you're gonna get your chance if you're a top alternate now you know Devontae Adams getting his opportunity as well
0: no doubt with that we'll toss to a break back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this Welcome back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford in this chair, Wes Hodkowitz in that one. And Wes, we haven't talked on the show yet, based on our new production schedule here, about the divisional playoff weekend. Yeah. That finish in Minneapolis, the shootout between two of the best defenses in the league in Pittsburgh. I don't know where you want to start, but it was a, it was quite a weekend of NFL playoff football.
1: I think I have to start with Jacksonville because I've been you know talking a lot of smack about them the last two weeks. <laughs> um, and let's be honest, I mean, one of the things I said going into this game is Blake Bortles needed to pitch a shutout, and what I meant by that is he needed to not turn over the football, right? And he protected the football. He managed how he needed to manage. You have Leonard Fournette. And I thought, even though he's dealing with that ankle injury, I know that's been bothering him the last two months of the year, they put the offensive game plan on his back and they asked their defense to make plays. Pittsburgh is Pittsburgh. They have a lot of weapons. So it didn't surprise me in the least that they made the run and rally back that they did. I saw it was one thing on Twitter. I don't know who exactly said it. I apologize for not crediting them. But basically saying at halftime, one of these two teams is really going to stew over this loss. Either <laughs> Pittsburgh getting down as much as they did, yep. or Jacksonville letting go of that lead. I think ultimately the better team won. Jacksonville already had gone in there and you know really you know punched the Steelers and Roethlisberger in the face early in the season, held on for the victory. Again, though, and I don't want to keep bringing up this caveat, but. They're going to have to play better now against the New England Patriots. We'll talk more about that shortly. But um, I thought for them to go in there and do that again to Pittsburgh, it's not an easy place to win. And, and the fact that the Jaguars did it speaks, I think, a lot to that defense and a lot to their offense being able to manage that game effectively.
0: Yeah, I think the absence of Ryan Shazier clearly showed it up is. for Pittsburgh because we had talked about that going in that, you know, we felt Pittsburgh was probably the most well-rounded team of the final eight in, uh, in the NFL playoff field. But not having Shazier really changed, uh, changed the outlook for them. You look at that uh the game in Philadelphia Atlanta against the Eagles reminded me a lot of the NFC Championship from a handful of years back when Matt Ryan had goal to go Against the San Francisco 49ers in the NFC title game to send his team to the Super Bowl, and the 49ers defense stood up and stopped him. A- yeah. And uh, that game in Philadelphia reminded me of that because it just looked like the Falcons had all the momentum. You're thinking they're going to score here, they're going to win this game, and then Philadelphia's defense rises up and makes a couple of plays. Julio Jones slips on fourth down, all of that, and uh, and uh, the Atlanta Falcons, uh, you know, go home and are unable to defend their NFC title.
1: Yeah, and I want to make one more point with this Jacksonville game, too, because I saw a lot of this on Twitter about, well, why don't why don't everybody just do what the Jaguars did? They spent all this money, they guaranteed all this money to these veterans on defense. The reason the Jaguars were able to do that is because they had like $100 million in cap room as yeah. of like two years ago. So they were able to go out and get Calais Campbell and A.J. Boye, who's been a phenomenal signing. Uh, I, a lot of times people throw out big money to these free agents, and it doesn't always work out. I give Jacksonville's front office a lot of credit for seeing the talent and boy and realizing that it wasn't a one-hit wonder that year he had with the Houston with Texans, Houston
0: yeah that he was yep. going to
1: be able to build on that so we'll see if they can carry him you know the rest of the way here because now that you're getting into this next round yeah the defense of the New England Patriots hasn't been what it has been in the past but you still have Tom Brady who's been the x-factor
0: yeah all right well Minneapolis uh, a finish for the ages and uh, you know Just an amazing game because Minnesota's defense had Drew Brees really flustered the entire first half. Yeah. Then Drew Brees kind of finds his rhythm, gets it going, middle of the third quarter, and suddenly the number one defense in the league cannot stop the Saints. Right. Drew Brees was doing whatever he wanted to do, brings them back. I mean, they score 24 points in, what was it, a span of like 16, 17 minutes there. And uh, and then you think the Saints have pulled off this amazing comeback on the road, down 17-0. They've got a 24-23 lead. The Minnesota Vikings are 61 yards from the end zone. They are at least 25 yards from a reasonable field goal attempt with 10 seconds on the clock and no timeouts. And Stefan Diggs gets into the end zone when Marcus Williams misses the tackle. I, I don't know how I don't know how it happens, but all you can say is that's the NFL.
1: Yeah, and I'll, I'll say this: Whenever the season ends, if the Minnesota Vikings can find a way to keep winning here. That horseshoe that Case Keenum has right now this season needs to go in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. (laughs) This has been a phenomenal year for him. And I'll say this, Mike. I was watching this game. I watched the entire thing. And even when it was 3rd and 10, and they were down to 10 seconds on the clock, for whatever reason, if I was a new – I mean, I'm watching this thing as an unbiased observer, just you know, watching it for the sake of a good football game. Sure. But if I was a New England, uh, New, uh, New Orleans Saints fan, I didn't feel comfortable, and I don't know why. I just felt like something was bound to break. And it was interesting in that ultimately it was the two areas here where it was the Minnesota Vikings offense and the New Orleans Saints defense because they were talking about the matchup between the Saints offense and Vikings defense. It came down to basically the number two, the plan Bs on both sides, and the Vikings offense, as they've done all season, found a way to do it. Marcus Williams had a nice rookie season, four interceptions, 70-some tackles.
0: Had at the a list. big interception as part of the comeback in the, in the second half. And, of course, everybody's going to forget about that because of, of the one final play, which there's no excuse for completely whiffing yeah. the way that he did. And he's 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 got to live with that one, and the Saints fans have to live with that one, as, as difficult as that is. But uh, we're talking about a really talented player who could be headed to a great career, and now he's going to be remembered for something like this for a long time. And
1: it just shows you sometimes, Mike, too, that safety spot, you really need experience. And I'm not saying they did the wrong thing. I mean, he's he's a great young player, and I think he has a bright future in this league if you can put this behind him. But that's the type of play that it's like, okay, if you have Morgan Burnett in that situation or, or you know a Kenny Vaccaro that's playing in that spot... You have to understand where the field is. You can let him catch that ball. You can even push him out of bounds don't give up the big play cuz you're in zero, you know there's no one yeah. else behind you at Cause that cuz even
0: cuz even if even obviously you'd like to keep him in bounds and then the clock runs out but even if he does catch it and get out of bounds the field goal is still 50 plus yards right. that's no gimme forbath had just hit a 50 plus yes. yarder not that long before but still any 50 plus yarder with that kind of pressure even indoors is no gimme and at least uh at least you still would have had a chance to win the game and uh and yeah i mean the saints let it get away i thought the saints were going to the super bowl i thought the saints were going to win the super bowl yeah. I th- I thought uh, I thought between the Saints and the Steelers and now both of them are out. To my
1: point, this is the why it's a beautiful game. It's it's
0: demoralizing in
1: some ways, but it shows you the small margin for error at this level and unfortunately the New Orleans Saints found that out the most difficult heartbreaking way possible.
0: Yeah, no question about it. With that we'll go to a break back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this. Welcome back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford here. Wes Hodkiewicz over there. Wes, two conference championship games now coming up on Sunday. You have the Jaguars traveling to Foxborough to face the Patriots in the AFC and the Minnesota Vikings traveling to face the Philadelphia Eagles in the NFC. Let's start with the AFC. I know you talked a lot about the Jaguars in the last segment. Obviously, the New England Patriots are the favorites. One thing I'll say about the Jaguars, because you brought up obviously what they did in free agency and and how they had all that cap room and they built around it. The other thing, I looked it up this week. I don't want to say they're all starters, but I would say players that are playing prominent roles on this team. They have eight players drafted within the top 40 picks of the draft over the last four drafts that are key players on this team. And this is, this is exactly what they've been building for. They've been drafting very high in the draft for a number of years. So you're getting high first round and high second round picks. You have a whole bunch of those, those guys. They've supplemented it with some significant spending in free agency. You're getting the best play out of quarterback Blake Bortles that uh, that you've ever gotten, this is a huge opportunity for the Jacksonville Jaguars.
1: Uh, enormous. And it does remind me in some ways of how the Packers, different situations obviously, but how the Packers sort of built their Super Bowl team in, in 2010 because they did draft some really good defensive players, B.J. Raji, Clay Matthews. The list goes on and on of guys they had in-house that stepped up. But they also had those Charles Woodson and and Ryan Pickett type guys. And I I just think that the additions that they've made defensively have really nicely complemented all the other weapons that they have. And I made this comment on Twitter going back to the Buffalo game that they played about Jalen Ramsey and just how incredible he is as a cornerback. Someone said, oh, I wish wish the Packers had someone like that. Well, the Packers weren't picking fourth that year. I mean, there's a reason why Jalen Ramsey was picked the way he was. Again, you give credit to the Jaguars front office for finding the talent that they needed to find When you are picking that high in the draft,
0: yeah. And as far as the Patriots now, they're in the AFC Championship game for what is it—the seventh year in a row? Just an incredible incredible run. Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, trying for their sixth uh, Super Bowl title here, and uh, well, and it would be their—would it be their ninth appearance in the Super Bowl together? I think. I think that's what it would be. Obviously, Tom Brady running the show on offense for the New England Patriots, but a lot of questions about the Patriots defense. Were they ranked this year? Some, you know, some uh, question marks as far as, uh, um, you know, can this defense do enough uh, in the postseason? I'm sure they're glad in a lot of ways, maybe that, that, at least from that side of the ball, that they're facing the, uh, the Jaguars offense and Blake Bortles and not Ben Roethlisberger and Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. But that being said, this Jaguars defense is going to have something to say about Tom Brady as well. I am
1: so interested to see that battle uh, between what the Jaguars do defensively and the game that Tom Brady tries to play week in and week out.
0: And you've got the Tom Coughlin factor from his experience with the Giants and beating the Patriots twice in the Super Bowl with those style of defenses. It's a really intriguing matchup.
1: It is. And I don't know how much Tom Coughlin gets involved with those sort of things with Doug Marone, but I mean, he's in a unique position in that organization uh, right now. I'm really interested to see what the Patriots bring offensively in this game. The reason I say that, Mike, is because they did have tough matchups against tough defenses, Pittsburgh, Denver. But within their own division, offensively, they played six games against defenses that ranked in the bottom half of the league. Yeah. So how do you do against this unit? And can you be effective with their running backs? Is there enough left besides Gronkowski perimeter-wise to be effective? I think it's going to be a really intriguing matchup. It might not be the one that gets a – million viewers you know in every market in the country but it is gonna be really interesting to see how that chess match plays out
0: yeah right and before we go to a break I want to uh, take care of some sponsor business today's a perfect day to fill up with some new Campbell's Chunky Max soup Chunky Max is loaded with more meat than you can handle a lot more we're talking 40% more than a comparable Chunky Soup so go on fill up with new Campbell's Chunky Max soup Campbell's Chunky Soup the official soup partner of the Green Bay Packers back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this Welcome back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford alongside Wes Hodkiewicz. And Wes, quickly before we go, the NFC title game, Minnesota at Philadelphia. I'm not sure how you see this one, but I think if Philadelphia is going to win the Eagles will have to win a game just like they did against the Falcons. It's going to have to be low scoring. Yep. I think if I think if Minnesota can put 16, 17 points on the board, I think they win this game because I'm not sure Nick Foles against that Vikings defense – He's not Drew Brees, no. And Drew Brees only scored 24 because he got shut out for an entire first half. I'm not sure Nick Foles can put up 17 against this defense. the The Eagles have got to, the Eagles' defense has got to to clamp down on Keenum and Latavius Murray and Stephon Diggs and all those guys. You
1: remember geometry? I think the additive inverse. They always talk about that. I think it was geometry. At least this is what this matchup is. Now you're taking on one of the league's elite defenses yeah. in an offense that is somewhat suspect without Carson Wentz running the show because they don't have the, the proven running backs. They try to use them. They have success at times. Jay Ajahi has really helped that unit, but they aren't Elvin Kamara and Mark Ingram. No, nope. They don't have, I mean, they have obviously Elshon Jeffrey, but can Nick Foles get him the football defensively? Can the Eagles put this game on their back and win it? Foles did what he had to do in that game against the Falcons, played efficient turnover-free football. It's a lot more difficult, though, to do that against Mike Zimmer's group.
0: Yeah, and when you look at the matchups here, you're going to have Xavier Rhodes on Alshon Jeffrey. Two guys familiar with each other, with Jeffrey, his years in Chicago, obviously. Rhodes, I thought, you know, came as close as you can come to taking Michael Thomas out of the game for the New Orleans Saints. Drew Brees was trying to force him the ball at times, and Rhodes was just all over it. Nick Foles is going to have to find some other weapons. I don't know if the Eagles are going to have enough other weapons. If Xavier Rhodes is on his game, I think Nick Foles is going to have a really tough time in the pocket. And
1: then obviously the other element to this too, the fact that Case Keenum, Nick Foles, were in, they were there together in St. Louis, good friends between the two of them. They have a little bit of a bond. I think they even said, I think it was Keenum that said it's one, it sees him as one of his best friends. Which one of these guys, which one of these replacements can step up, can make those plays? is going to be probably the determining factor in this because you know defensively what both of these teams can do.
0: Yeah, your prediction for a Super Bowl matchup?
1: I think it's still going to be Minnesota, but we'll see. Against? Oh, New England.
0: Okay, yeah, Yeah, I think it's Patriots-Vikings too, but we've got to call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com, on Twitter, at Wes Hod, at Mike Spofford, at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.